We wanna bring a, a powerful conclusion to the series that we've been on now, so get your notes out, get, get everything ready, called The Journey. How many's found out that in life you're on a journey? Yeah. Amen. And how many's found out in that journey it'll often take you down roads you didn't plan on or expect? Eh? Amen. And then how many can get onto that one and go, the good's still been far better than the bad? And, and how quick we can focus on the negative things in life and miss the blessings that God has really put all around us. We are just caught up in that and we don't see them. But I want to talk to you today about the journey. Let's go right to our text and then we're going to get into the, the message today. And we've used this text throughout the whole series. We come to this text every year at Easter. It's the foundation of our church. The four promises that God gave to the Israelites that he has given to the church Throughout the scripture, every promise in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, every promise in the Bible is rooted in these four promises. They all go back to these four. So here they are. He said, therefore, say to the Israelites, or to us, the church today, I am the Lord, and here's promise number one, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Promise one. Promise two, I will free you from bringing slaves to them. Promise number three, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. And it brings us to promise number four we're gonna talk about today. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Four promises, and we went through them on detail. If you're a guest here today, all of our series, all of our messages are on the back wall back there and they're free, we don't charge for anything in this church with our, our ministry, we want you to take those and you listen to it and if you don't know anybody else that wants to hear it, bring it back and put it back up there and somebody else to grab it and if you know somebody, just pass it on. Pay it forward, amen? And let God bless somebody else with it but four promises that God has given us, promise number one we share with you, he said I'm gonna bring you out. I'm gonna bring you out of that world. I'm gonna bring you out of Egypt which represents the world and he says, I want you to know me. We call it salvation in the church. God wants you to know him, to know God. And that's the first promise. And how many thankful today that you, you came to meet a God who opens arms you and you don't just know about him, but you get to know him. Amen. And the father role that he plays in your life. And then the promise number two, he says, once you know me, once you've experienced that salvation, I've set you apart as mine. He says, I now want to give you the second promise and that's to find freedom that I wanna start freeing you from those things that have been controlling your life. And how many found out even though you became a Christian, there was still some stuff going on that you needed some help with. And God says, we're gonna help free you from that stuff that's destroying your life. And then promise number three, he says, once you start that cleansing experience and you get to really realize that I'm not here to judge you, condemn you, I'm here to help you get rid of that stuff, I'm gonna let you start discovering your purpose. And, and now I want to start really showing you who you are in God. I want to redeem you, he said, which means take you back to your original purpose in me. And when you begin to understand the last three promises that we've shared with you, it brings us to today, and God says, I want to go now and take you because the first three deal with us individually. But he says, once you've understood salvation, knowing God, and once you move into finding that freedom in your life, don't, don't feel like you're gonna come in, pray a prayer, and then everything's gonna be perfect. God's not looking to make you perfect. He's looking to make you right before the Father. Come on, how many's glad, how many glad that's the way it works? All right, he just wants to make us right before the Father every day because he that knew no sin became sin that we can stand right 
righteous before God. And, and so he, he wants to now start working that in you. And as you begin to let God do that and, and stop being so judgmental on yourself and start receiving the grace of God, he begins to let you begin to see, wow, I was born with a purpose. I get to go make a difference in the lives of other people now. I don't have to be perfect to make a difference. And he moves us into this fourth promise, and we call it that, making a difference, where he now says, I'm, I'm gonna take you that I gave these three individual promises to. I wanna connect you with this body called the church, the family of God, and, and wanna put a 1,000, but two will put 10,000 to flight. So I'm gonna connect you and put all your gifts and your personalities and your cultures and, and your differences and, and all of that that makes you different. I'm gonna put it together. And as a body, you get to go change the world. And man, that's powerful. Because a quick example is like you're giving, when you give here every Sunday, a portion of that we use with a ministry and we're helping plant 10 brand new churches every month here in America. As a body, we couldn't do that, but when we put our part with a part of many others, we can do that. And, and, and so God's saying, uh, one church, Dan Livingston can't win Pensacola, but when we all find our purpose and we're walking out God's work in our life and we begin to make a difference as a church into a community and we get to do that. And so I wanna talk to you about that today, understanding God's purpose in our life. But here's what happens because Satan knows that if you connect with God's purpose and you begin to make a difference, you become a threat to his kingdom. Can I tell you today, Satan does not mind you being in church today. He really doesn't. I know I hear people going, the devil kept me out of church. He don't care if you go to church. He just doesn't want you to leave here and make a difference in somebody else's life. That's when you become a threat to the enemy. You didn't threaten hell today by coming to church you mess up Satan's plan when you start messing with the people he already owns and controls. And so Satan's threat today is that you get this message, so we're just gonna double up and give him a double black eye today. Anybody with me on that one? And, and just say, we're gonna get it. So just go ahead and tell God, I'm gonna get it today. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm gonna get it, okay? All right? Because here's the thing, if, if Satan can keep you from living the fulfilled life in Christ that he so desperately wants for you, you miss God's purpose in your life. You miss this fourth promise. And so John 10, 10 says, get your notes out, the thief's purpose is to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But here's God's purpose. So Satan's purpose is to steal from you. Anybody had him show up to do that? Steal your joy, steal your health, steal your marriage, steal your children. Steal, kill, kill your hopes, kill your dreams. Destroy, destroy everything around you, it's falling apart. Come on, am I preaching to the right church yet? Okay, he, he's pretty good at his job, right? But he don't have the final say so. But my purpose, God says, is to give life in all. Come on, say all with me today. God's purpose is to give life in all of his fullness in you. And so when you come and understand this, what Satan wants to do then is cause you to live an unfulfilled life. Because God wants you to understand and walk in all of his fullness. And it's like so many in the church aren't doing that. And, and it would, kind of an example would be, if what if a relative of yours hit the lottery and they said, you know what, I'm gonna leave you $100,000. Anybody happy about that right now? And you would go, eh, that's pretty cool. I'll, I'll take 20. Just give me 20. 
That's called ignorance right there. That's, there's another word for it, but I'm in church, so I, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no children. That's stupid, okay? Ignorance is too good for that, right? But God said, so y'all was thinking something else. Y'all need to clean your mind up right now. So that's more of that freedom part we're talking about. Okay. But God says, I've got all fullness I want for you. Why are we settling for 20%? And I want to tell you why. Here's some reasons why. And the enemy wants to keep you living in this unfulfilled life. You live an unfulfilled life. Get your notes out. Number one, when we let our past disqualify us. Now, we talk about this all the time in this church because we're a grace church and we're a church constantly reaching new people for Christ, but I don't care how long you've been in here serving Jesus, there's some stuff in your past that the enemy's still trying to use against you. Come on, we all got some, don't we? And the enemy's always reminding you of why you don't qualify for this all thing that God has for you. God says, I have all, I have everything that's in this book, every promise that's in my word. I have it all for you for a fulfilled life. But if the enemy can keep you disqualifying yourself from receiving it, you don't walk it out. You don't experience it. Because you see, most of us in here today, we've experienced cup number one. We've got the salvation thing done, okay? But we live in our rearview mirror. Anybody here drive to church? Did you look through the windshield or the mirror? Now I can answer that because you're here. Because <laughs> you will automatically crash if you're looking behind you trying to go forward. Am I right? Yes. Then why are you doing that spiritually, emotionally? Marriage, finances, past. You can't get where God's wanting to take you when you keep looking where you come from. And some of you need to converse, change your conversation and stop talking about where you've been and start talking about where you're going. You gotta change that, that conversation. You with me today? And, and so you live an unfulfilled life. You Listen, many of you are miserable because you're still talking about the past instead of the future and the present. You're still sitting around a dinner room table talking about how bad it hurt 10 years ago. That's 10 years. It's now. And you got to bring it into today. The psalmist said, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Anybody besides me got some stuff that can keep you in guilt? I mean, you know you as guilt. You know. You don't need a judge. You are the judge. You know. He said, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I'm bowed low down and I'm brought low. And that's exactly where the enemy wants to keep you because if he can keep you there, he'll keep you in a place of an unfulfilled life. Watch this. If you're living the unfulfilled life, you're paying it forward to nobody else in theirs because you have nothing to offer them because yours is empty. Number two is we let culture define us. Satan is using culture in our society today. This term is being thrown around so much today, and it's very important because culture trumps everything. You, we can have great music, and we can even have a half-decent preacher but if the culture of this church is not loving and friendly and kind and graceful, then nobody wants to come here. Culture trumps gifts. But can I tell you, our culture is trying to redefine our principles and our morality. And you've got to realize that you will live an unfulfilled life when culture defines what you believe in. All right? And you got to understand that culture is trying to redefine morality, marriage, sexuality, personal identity, 
with the plan of bringing so much confusion in life that God's ultimate purpose and plan never takes effect in mine and your life. Galatians says, am I now trying to win the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. You can't serve culture and God at the same time. Because a secular culture, we're talking society, will always take you away from the principles of God's word. And when you begin to allow, and, and don't we see that culture, morality, people around us today are trying to redefine what we can believe, what we can stand on, what we can declare to be truth, and we can understand that we can still speak truth in grace. I don't have to speak truth in hate. I don't have to speak truth in love. But it's still the truth that's going to set us free. And we cannot allow our culture to define who we are. And when you begin to do that, you're going to live an unfulfilled life because you're not walking out the word of God in his fullness. It's good preaching right there. The amens went just bottomed out, but preaching was pretty good. Okay, number three is you will live an unfulfilled life when you try to live it alone. When you try to live life alone, you're going to walk through an unfulfilled life because you can't be happy by yourself all the time. And what happens when you start living in that rearview mirror and you start allowing other people to define what you believe in and what are the convictions of your life, you will isolate yourself. You will move into isolation. And you'll find yourself all alone. The phrase I use all the time, the banana that gets separated from the bunch is going to get peeled. And you keep that banana in that cluster, it'll turn black on your dining room table. But you break it off and lay it on the counter, don't have a chance when the kids are around. You know what I'm saying? And, and guess what? It's the same way in mine in your life that when we're in the cluster of the church, that's why he said, I'm going to make you my people, plural. I'm going to put you in a body. I'm going to put you in a cluster of people. And there's safety, there's strength, there's power, there's purpose in that body. And guess what? When you're in that body, the enemy shows up and he can't penetrate to get to you. He can't peel you because there's a body around you that's protecting you. And you got to realize today the enemy wants to get you alone. Why, why would anyone even want to live life alone? Why? I can, tell, I can answer that. Because of people. Because people will hurt you. People will disappoint you. People will kill you and your dreams. And so rather than get hurt again, I'll just pull away and be over here by myself. And when you pull away and become alone, you will live an unfulfilled life and never reach God's purpose and destiny for you because no one in life ever became great by themselves. No one. And so let's look at this real, real quick today as we, we see this because God says, I, I've got something bigger than you, something beyond you. I've got something that's dynamic. I want to save you. I want to set you apart. I want to redeem you. I want to I I bring you in this place that I, I bring freedom in your life. I want to bring freedom into your heart. I want you to discover your purpose. I want you to find out why and how I made you. And then I want to connect you with this body called the church, the body of Christ. And I want to help you now. Go make a difference. I want us to do something massive and big that's bigger than you. You couldn't do this by yourself, but when I connect you with my people, all of a sudden you do amazing things for the kingdom. And so I want to show you some things today because ultimate fulfillment comes when you're part of a family. So the first, first three promises exist so you can get to this one, and it's called making a difference. So how do I move into this calling? How do I move into this purpose? Let me give you three points here real quick. 
Number one, you will move into the fulfilled life, the fulfilled life. We shared three things that will take you into an unfulfilled life, but I want to give you three things that will move you into the fulfilled life. How many wants to live a fulfilled life in Jesus today? Amen? Purpose. All right, number one, it starts with your calling. It starts with your calling. Everyone in this building has a call of God on your life. Every one of us. Look at your neighbor and tell them, I'm called. I'm called. You're called today. And you gotta realize and understand that we have a call in our life. We, we were born for this. Serving God is the best thing that you will ever do. But you gotta realize today our callings are different. They don't look alike. How many's glad you're not called to do this every Sunday? Okay, I'm glad I'm not called to do what you do. Okay, I'm glad I'm called to preach and not be an educator in the school system. First 14 year old smarted off to me, work jail. <laughs> I can't do that. We have educators here, God bless you. God bless all of our nurses in here, you know, that do all that. No, I'm glad God gifted you for that. All right, but we're all called to do something. All of us have a call in our life that's specific. It identifies us and why we're here. Timothy, read it. It says in the scripture, God, he saved us. I mean, saved, salvation set apart. And then he called us to this holy work, being a part of the body, finding our purpose. We had nothing to do with it. It was his idea, a gift. What's the gift? Prepared the call. A gift prepared for us in Jesus long before we even knew anything about it. Isn't it amazing that when you were out there cursing God, denying God, saying he didn't exist, doing your thing, God was over there already molding you with a divine purpose he already had for you and you just didn't get it yet. And it's amazing the grace and the love of God and God's got a call in your life and that's why he's put the talents within you. That's why he's put the specific gifts inside of you. That's why you have the passions that you love to do. I love to hunt, I love to fish. So guess who I hang with? Hunters and fishermen, they're the real men, okay? Anybody can run a marathon, but it takes men to hunt. Dave Bells, just eat that one, all right. Any girl can do CrossFit, but it takes a man to climb a tree. Yes, it does. Okay, moving on. That just felt good. Oh, that felt good. That was worth preaching today. All right. Okay, but you got to understand, God's given us different gifts. He's given us different passions. Why? Why did God make us all different like that? Because he had a different call in every one of our lives so that he would connect us with a different group of people so the gospel could still reach the world. And so you're unique in your own way for a reason. And God saved us, but then he called us to this holy work. Because you see why. What, what is your calling? What is your calling? No matter what your trade is, what is your calling? Because your calling is to make a difference. Because when people lose their way, they lose their why. And so the question is, are you chasing your career or are you chasing your calling? And oftentimes they're the same. Oftentimes, people's career, we have attorneys in here, we have teachers in here, we have nurses in here, we have all kinds of trades in here and gifts in here. Many of you, your career is your calling. God gave you that gift to put you around a specific group of people, a sphere of influence, so that now you become the preacher instead of me because they won't come here, but you're going to them. 
My dream was to be an architect. I was a certified junior architect at 16 years old. I was drawing plans for corporations and they were putting their signatures on. That was my dream. But God had a different plan. So, so my career shifted so that I could do this, but I'd rather do this than draw plans all day long. It's much better to build people than houses. But that's my dream. And so you've got to come and understand, are you chasing your career? Or are you chasing your calling? Because you must know your why in order to know your what. And when you learn your why, why am I here? Why do I have these passions? Why do I like to fish? Why do I like to cut? Why do I like to shop? Why do I like to teach? Why do I like to work out? Why, why do I like, what about this makes me this person? It's because there's a sphere of influence of people that God wants you to touch and make a difference in that no preacher is gonna get to, but you will. And so you gotta identify your call. Number two, because in that, look at your notes, I desire to make a difference. How many desires to make a difference here today? Amen? Number two is it stands on a legit cause. Your call, the call of God in your life stands on a legit cause, a cause that counts. God is more for you than he is for your accomplishments. He has a cause. He, he's more for you. He, he wants to see you blessed. How many knows the greatest pleasure in life is bringing pleasure to someone else's life that's fallen apart, man? Just they're chaotic and it's confusion and they're hurting. And God uses you with a bowl of soup or a prayer or a love or a positive word or outreach hand or you cut their grass or you fix their car or whatever. And man, the feeling when you walk away is, is you got more out of it than the person you ministered to. And that's what God, he, he's wanting to come and understand that your call stands on a legit cause. I'm not, Adam's not just called to play a guitar up here. This, this, Ryan's not called just to sing. This team's not up here called to just operate in a gift. They're called to usher us into the presence of God. Anybody can play a guitar, but not anybody can lead you into the presence of God. That takes a call. You see, you gotta realize that you're called. The book of Acts says, but my life, is worth nothing to me. I love this. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. What is that? The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. When we understand how legit this cause is that God has called us to, that my life is worth nothing to me. It's just nothing unless I finish the work that God has called me to do. And what is that? That I tell others the good news about the amazing works that God has done in my life. And there's a legit cause in you working where you work, living where you live, playing on the ball team that you play on, being a part of the, the association that you're with, the sphere of influence that you have. There's a legit cause there because there's a call of God in your life to impact those people with the good news of Jesus and who he is in your heart and in your life. And so what does that mean? You do something that makes a difference. I, I wanna be a difference, but then in your notes, you do something that makes a difference. And understanding this, I, I had someone approach me. Many know our family's been going through a whole lot. And uh, I had someone approach me the other day and they said, how are you feeling? And I said the same old thing. I was like, you know, it's good, all's good, everything's good. And I walked away and I came back and I said, you really want me to answer that? 
because I don't feel too good right now. You ask me how I feel, how I feel when my, my brother's eight years into a brain disease that took my dad three years ago and I'm sitting by his bed every day and they're telling us he's going to die every day. And, and I'm the preacher that he admired and respected, and he was the protector that always watched out for me, and I'm sitting by his bed, and I'm praying my gut out, and I don't see anything happen, and you're asking me how I feel? Or do you want to ask me what I know? Because you will never fulfill God's purpose in your life if you live on how you feel. But you will accomplish miraculous things when you operate on what you know. Because how I feel sometimes isn't going to get me into God's purpose of making a difference. But when I live on what I know, because I, I stood by or sat by my brother's bed. And those that know, my brother passed yesterday morning. And he's in heaven today getting to watch his brother preach. But, but what I'm saying is I, I, I sit by his bed and, and he's been unconscious to all of us for months other than Linda. He would recognize her a few times and, and thank God for that and for that time with her. And, but I was by his bed day before yesterday and, and, and he was non-responsive and he had dropped down. He looked like a Holocaust victim. He's, I could literally touch my fingers around his thigh. And, and just bones and skin. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm trying to get him. Do you see me, Dave? Do you know it's me? I just want you to know I'm here and no response. And I prayed for him and I, I walked out into the hall and, and the Holy Spirit checked me and said, go back. And, and, and I've been there and I went back and I got by his bed and his face is right here and, and I'm talking to him and I hold his hand. I said, Dave, it's Dan. Do you know it's me? And he blinked his eyes. And, and I'm like, maybe, maybe. And I said, Dave, if you know it's me, just give me a sign. Let me know. And he tried to move his lips. And the Holy Spirit shared with me because they've been saying something's keeping him here. Something he should have already gone. He hadn't eaten in days. He has his heart should have already quit. And he was laboring so hard to breathe that they even brought his dog in. The hospice said, maybe he needs to see his dog before he goes. I don't know. And they, they, we did everything. And I'm, I'm there and I'm like, What's keeping you here, Dave? Dad's waiting. No, it's okay. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, he's afraid. He's afraid. And I began to share with him the grace of God. And I took him through a prayer. And I said, you don't have to be afraid. God's waiting on you. God loves you, Dave. His grace is unbelievable. You don't have to be afraid to walk through that valley of the shadow of death. You can fear no evil. And tears began to come down my brother's cheek. And his bottom lip began to tremble. And I knew that in a decayed body, there was a spirit man that was still very much alive. And, and I turned worship on the song Freedom that Deidre, his daughter, leads us in here. And for an hour, we just kept playing it. And the presence of God came in that room. And at that time, he shifted. Am I right, Linda? He totally shifted in his, his body, his breathing, and he was prepared now. He wasn't afraid. And, and I stayed last the night with him all night because we thought that that would be the time he would go because he would quit breathing for 30 seconds at a time. And we just knew he was going to go. So I sat by his bed all night holding his hand, just waiting for that to be the last breath. And he hung on. And, and Linda came in at 7, and I came to prayer, and I sat right over there. At 9 o'clock, I started prayer. My prayer was, God, don't let my brother suffer through this one more day. He's ready to go home. And at 9.02, he went to be with Jesus. And, and why am I saying all that to you today? You want to know how I feel when I get on Facebook and I watch your children playing at the beach and climbing on the stairs and eating in a restaurant with you and I'm holding my grandson that's three years old while he's having a seat? You want to know how I feel? Or do you want to know what I know? 
Don't ask me how I feel, but ask me what I know. Because how I feel when my brother was not happy, but what I know was there'll be no sorrow there. No more burdens to bear. No more sickness, no more pain, no more dying over there. You, you want to ask me how I feel when I hold my grandson and I can't play with him like you play with yours? You want to know how I feel? Or you want to know that this little boy is fearfully and wonderfully made? How marvelous are the works of your hands. That I know quite well, that you've got destiny and plan for this little guy's life. And I'm watching a little three-year-old boy that can't talk share the gospel with more people than most 53-year-old preachers ever get a chance to. And God's using him to change people's lives. And I'm saying all that to say this to you today. Your call is very legit. The cause of your call that God has on your life is very legit. But you will never reach it when you try to live your life on what you feel rather than what you know the gospel's already said to you. You will only accomplish God's purpose in your life when you understand that I I've been called for this. I was born for this. I had preachers call me and said, I'll, I'll help you today. I'll get in your pulpit and give you a break. I said, I don't want a break. I was born to do this on the good days and the bad days, on the hard ones and the easy ones. I was born to do this. I have a staff that could be preaching. I want to preach today because there's no feeling like being able to pastor your own brother into heaven. No feeling like that. Don't feel sorry for me today. Just help me stay in what I know and keep me out of how I feel. Now, that's not negative. That's positive. You begin to understand it. Then last of all, I want to share this with you. When you begin to operate in what you know, because see, if if I didn't believe this book to be true, I wouldn't be here today. But I know what I'm preaching is real. I know it's life changing. I know it'll take the hardest heart and melt it. It'll take the coldest man and make him come before God and go, you really do love me. You really do care. It'll take that circumstance that seems impossible. But too many of us today, we find ourselves unfulfilled because we're living on hurts and offenses, disappointments and failures. Even God disappointing us, feeling like that. You can't live on how you feel, my friend. It's not wrong to be there. I'm just being honest with y'all today. I ain't been all happy. Is that okay to be transparent up here with you today? Because you know I'd be lying if I stood here today and go, it's always just wonderful. No, it ain't. There's times I don't feel like preaching. There's times I don't feel like praying. There's times I don't feel like reading the Word. There's times I don't feel like singing. There's times I'm ticked off. There's times I'm disappointed. There's times I'm exhausted. But I can't live life and fulfill my calling if I operate on how I feel. But I know, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That I know. That I know. And when you understand that, it moves you to this third point of the fulfilled life. It'll move you from the me to the we. Because when you're operating in how you feel, it's always about me. But when I move into what I know, it moves us to the we. And when we come into the we, we come into promise number four. 
that I'll take you as my people. It's no longer me. I'm saved. I'm being free. I'm discovering my purpose. Now I get to bump on over and join this thing called the family of God and become a part of we. Now it's no longer about me. It's about us. And we get to go impact people's lives. We get to go make a difference. We get to go tell the story of how awesome and amazing that Jesus really is. So I want to challenge you today. God's got a fourth promise for every one of us in this room today. It doesn't take us out of the reality of our pain. It doesn't take us out of the reality of our suffering. It doesn't take us out of the reality of our past. It doesn't take us out of those things that still want to come up and beat us up. But you know what it does? It moves us from our feelings to the knowledge of what we have, the truth of God's Word. And God's Word will prevail every time, every time in your life. And it'll bump you up to that fourth promise that says, you know what? I can. I can. I've been called to make a difference in somebody's life. And let me wrap it up with this. You will, and you will know this is already true. And, and so many people are, and, and thank you so much for the outreach that you've given to my family. We can't thank you enough. But here's what I found out. I've told some folks, you know, thank you for the kindness. Thank you for the kind words. But here's what I found out. You will minister to more people in the darkest places of your life than you will ever minister to when you're up on the mountaintop and everything's fine. People are watching you. They're listening to you when you're hurting. They're listening to you when you're broken. They're listening to you when they know you're in pain. And when you come up with words of life and hope, when I was all night with my brother, all night, holding his hand, waiting for his last breath. I had worship playing. And we played that song that Adam sings, How Great Is Our God. I played that thing probably 50 times that night. I just kept letting it cycle. And social workers were walking in the room and, and nurses were coming in the room and, and there was such an atmosphere of God's presence there that many of them would just stand at the bed and tears going down their face and they were lifting their hands and they were praying with us and worshiping with us. And some weren't Christians and they were going, I don't understand all that, but that's pretty strong. And I got to stop them and share the faith that that man in that bed, he wasn't dying and just dying. He was just transforming to another place. And, and I got to share the, the story. You got to come and understand today, man, God's got a way and a place and a means for you to pass it forward. Go make a difference. Go make a difference today. Let's don't waste this message. Let's go make a difference with it. Anybody receive God's word today? You receive it? Amen. Bow your heads with me. Maybe you're in this room right now and you say, Pastor Dan, I'm, 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 at, I'm at promise one right now. I, I need salvation in my life. I need Jesus in my life today. I need that first promise. I want to see it happen in my life. I'm tired of being empty spiritually. I'm tired of being empty. And I'm ready for that hope. I'm ready for that hope in Christ today. Pray for me. If that's you right now and you say, I'm ready to make that decision. I want to follow Jesus today. I want to give him my life. I want to give him, I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to come to you. I just want to pray a prayer for you. If that's you, would you just slip a hand right where you sit? God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hand down once you raise it. Anyone else will join these and say, that's me. God bless you, sir. God bless you. I'm ready today. I just want to give God everything. I want to give him everything in my life. 
I want him to be Lord of my life. I'm ready for that first promise of salvation. Anyone else before we pray, you say, that's me today. Will you pray this prayer with me? And we're going to pray it with you so you're not alone. Maybe online. Maybe with our family there. You needed Jesus in your life today. Pray this prayer with us. Come on, church, pray it with me. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today. You said in your word, if I would just come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart. You raised from the dead. I can be saved. So right now, I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart. You raised from the dead. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, according to your word, I'm saved. I'm a brand new person in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, you join me and let's congratulate these that have prayed today. God bless you.